I kind of want to take some time and transition over to talking about conversations, talking about how we talk to each other, how we talk to um, to people that either have a different worldview or maybe even have the same, but maybe we're just questioning and, and learning together. Um, and I want to start with, with the cross and the resurrection and even just talking about language that maybe you have used or um, when you're talking about something that connects to people that maybe they've never heard that before and like I say the cross and you you, you want to someone someone says it here and it has instant meaning for me but for someone who doesn't what's some language of things that you would maybe suggest or try um yeah so I I usually start with the words uh, this is gonna sound like a smart aleck response but I promise it's not I usually start mm-hmm. with the words that the bible uses in sure. reference to the cross so three that immediately jump to mind our forgiveness, love, and humility. Um, when we talk about Jesus on the cross, um, these are the three words that constantly come up. Sacrifice, for, forgiveness, love, and humility. Like These words are descriptors of what happened on the cross and what, so, so a big fancy theological word, imputed. It just means that Jesus is, when we believe in what Christ did on the cross, what Jesus the Christ did on the cross, then his actions are imputed to us. They're it's 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 a little bit deeper meaning than just given or received to us like it, it becomes us it's hmm. our it's our identity it's who we are so that's imputed to us and so all of those four things i said three but there's actually four mm-hmm. um we've experienced them we've experienced them in tangible ways throughout our lives either other people have bestowed them on us or we have bestowed them on others and so we've experienced at least in part, what Christ did on the cross. And so I think starting with these kind of common denominators that have been experienced by people, forgiveness, love, sacrifice, humility, um, and these and what's beautiful is these are the things that we that we're naturally attracted to. We're drawn to them. So in a way, we are drawn to the cross naturally without even using the word cross. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about things that we see in other people that attract us to them, those are four of the top ones that I would list. People that have shown me love, people that I know are genuinely humble, people that have sacrificed pieces of their lives for me. Like I think about my mom. When I think about when she had me as 18 at 18 years old and all the sacrifices that she made for me, like those are cross moments hmm. throughout her life that she laid down for me. And so I know what Jesus did on the cross. I experienced it. I saw it. Uh, and I got to experience it through that. So I think having conversation jump off points with those kind of common denominators is an easy kind of, so uh, kind of starting point. Finding references of things that would connect with someone that they'd understand. So exactly. like talking about your mom is something that other people would connect to and mm-hmm. it leads into another conversation. Yeah. Anything else you'd add, Zach? Uh, I mean, if I was getting into a conversation about, is it, I, I wish it presented itself more to have yeah. the conversation, but it really, really does. But if I was getting into the conversation more about the resurrection or something like that, um, the things I'd like to, to, there's just one, one line of reasoning that I really like, and it's the, the minimal facts argument is what it's called. And it's just basically facts um, about Jesus' life, death, and, and the aftermath that, that you have to do something with, like, they're not, they can't be ignored. Um, so, so whether you are a Christian or an atheist or something, you have to respond to them. The facts that, you know, how do you explain, okay, the fact that Jesus really died, cause that's proof, that's proven fact, you know, um, that the, that the tomb was empty, 
there's there's like twelve. There's a bunch of them, but um, that that the the post the resurrection appearances that the disciples at least think they saw something. I mean, mm-hmm. they were they responded in a way that suggests that they in their minds saw or you know they saw something. Um, Another fact is that the the fact that the women are the are the first um, included in the account because you know back in uh, in, in Bible times that was written you know the uh, woman's word her testimony wasn't really taken in account so if you're making up the story you wouldn't include them um, and then the explosion of the church and you know the uh, the disciples complete change um, from you know um, fearful scared people to these people that were willing to die for their beliefs. Just, I, I, I just personally like that because it's not, it's letting them try to decide how to deal with that instead of me uh, giving them a bunch of reasons. It's still presenting information in a relational way and not so much of a, like, hey, here's all the information. You got to change your mind right now. Like there's every conversation we've had on the podcast during the series, relationship is always sprung to the top. Like yeah. that has to be part of um, the factor to even, one probably even have the conversation um, unless someone it, it comes up at a very um, unique opportunity. But um, as we transition, you were talking about the resurrection um, the last week of the series, we talked about the resurrection and, and really asking the question, is there hope? Um, and I think that's a question that um, society and just kind of culture is asking a lot, um, whether we see that in the next generation, especially when they're asking that question um, seems more and more. And even as, as we grow older and asking, you know, what's you know, people are asking for purpose and hope um, and the resurrection, we would say, is that hope? Um, if you're having a conversation even about that, um, similar things, maybe you would say have, having um, reference points of things that connect to people, but. I don't know, even just talking about that, anything that just kind of spurs in your mind when you're talking about hope and the resurrection. Yeah, let me back up, oh, yes. back to the cross. Um, and then, so so I think I want to be very careful what I say here because this, this could get me in some hot water. <laughs> um, be very, very clear to all the listeners out there. I am in no way taking away from the cross, okay? But, the gospel is more than the cross. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, the good news of the kingdom that come. And the cross is one piece of Jesus's life, of what he came to accomplish as his mission, and the resurrection would be another one. Thankfully, we've um, recaptured some of that here in the last, you know, I feel like 20, 30 years. We've mm-hmm. recaptured the importance of the resurrection and the good news that 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 the res- reality of the resurrection ushers in hope being uh, the number one. I think about N.T. Wright's book "Surprised by Hope." Uh, he he was doing his research uh, on his 600-page book on the historical re- reliability of the resurrection, and what he was surprised by through that studies is the kind of more existential uh, thing that happened to him as hope filled him through the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And so then he goes through and looks at all the ramifications of, of the resurrection and how that informs the good news. But that but that's also, the resurrection is also, so you could maybe boil it down to a simplistic uh, presentation of Jesus' life as the incarnation or his life, the, the crucifixion, the cross, the resurrection, empty tomb, and then the ascension, uh, the heaven. And those are kind of the four pieces, if you will, that kind of give up the holistic 
part of the good news of Jesus. And each one brings new realities, just like hope and the resurrection did, to the good news of Christian life and impacts our everyday life. Um, like the fact that we do have a way of life, that there is, uh, Jesus went about living a way of life, and so we do have a moral reference. That's really, really, really important, right? Especially um, considering it, God. You know, it's yeah. Kind of, right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, same thing. The incarnation was not talked about much when I was... No, yeah, but not at all. Yeah. And, and then so the crucifixion, the fact that grace and forgiveness, like these things are accessible to us now. <laughs> um, that And then the resurrection, that we have hope and that there's a possibility of new life and that we can die to our old selves. Like all these things. And then the ascension, the lordship of Jesus Christ, that he is ruling over the kingdom of heaven now. This isn't a present, this isn't a future only reality, but that we can actually experience uh, glimpses and tastes and participations in the kingdom of heaven now because Jesus ascended to the throne. Like these are parts of the good news that we need to recapture as Christians because each one of them help us to live out a holistic presentation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the discipleship process. Each one of them are so important um, to who we are as, as Christians, but then also how we testify to witness in our everyday lives. So if we're filled with hope in a hopeless world, mm -hmm. that's attractive to people. If we live uh, a moral standard of way of life that in a, in a moralless, immoral society, that's at least curious invoke, curiosity invoking to people. If we can show forgiveness and love and sacrifice and humility in a culture that devalues those things then people will ask questions about that. So it's about living the way of life, uh, the whole of the good news, the ramifications of each one of those, or implications as we've been talking about through this series, that leads to our actions that allow us to even have conversations uh, with people. But if we reduce the good news, if we reduce the good news to only, I receive Christ's, uh, the actions he did on the cross, and I will die when I go to heaven, then why would anybody be curious about asking us about our lives now? <laughs> you know? So it's not a reduction of the cross. It's an expansion of the whole good news, recapturing these rich traditions for that have been going on for thousands of years of Christianity. It's not like uh, this isn't attested through the Christian community for thousands of years for many, many, many different people. Um, it's just a It's just a reclaiming of the fullness of the gospel. Yeah, I th and I think the reason, I mean, the, the reason you say it, like, I'm not trying to downplay, is because for the last 30 years or however long, it has been the central thing, which is why we have sort of hollowed out Christianity so much, I think, is because <laughs> we have um, put our faith in the, the future saving of, uh, of Christ, but not in the fact that, he, he saves us into his spirit and he shows us a way to live now. This isn't, like you said, it's not a future orientation. It's it's now and future. Yeah. We're in Christ now. Yeah. And like. so <laughs> it's not it's not a downplaying of the cross, but it's a sense that in our, in our soul focus on the cross, we've forgotten and lost so much about what it really means um, to follow Jesus and to um, have life to the full now and forever, yeah. um, you know, the promise that he offered. So... And that, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, some of the spiritual practices are a part of that and things that we 
I think sometimes some we've even been talking about as a staff and talking about um, a Sabbath. I mean, just being a part of your your spiritual practice. And it's like there's all these things that I think in my mind that maybe I hear as words, Mm -hmm. but they're not something that are um, part of things that I appreciate or take into action. Yeah, and I want to pick up on that because it's one of the things that I, I, I was kind of excited to talk about on the podcast today is so we've been going through in the Centered series this claims um, reasons, uh, implications, and then actions. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, I don't, again, I don't discount that. I know that that's the progress that some people make. However, when you talk about spiritual disciplines, I also think that there's, um, good reason to believe that you can start with actions and they form you (laughs) into, ultimately believing in your claims. I think the circle can work backwards. Um, and I think that's exactly what the spiritual disciplines do. And I actually think, I don't necessarily think Jesus was being formulaic because I don't think um, he necessarily thought that way. But what did he say? He said, follow me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. So think about that. You follow Jesus on the way, the way of Jesus and he reveals his truth as you live out the way. And that's a step of faith, right? Like knowing that Jesus said is who he said he was and wants an abundant life for me, I trust that. So I step into faith into his way of life. Um, even if I don't even fully agree with it yet or, or I, you know, cognitively assent, right? That's what I think. Like we've got it backwards sometimes in our Western culture for the last, since the enlightenment, we've, we've believed in the myth that, we can produce right acting only by right thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's both. I don't <laughs> like, we absolutely need the Braxton hunters of the world that I, you know, I listen to the podcast, wonderful mind, uh, apologetics, thinking yep. cognitive ascent first. Um, those things are very, very important. That was actually my own journey. I, I went, as soon as I said, Jesus is Lord, I went to seminary because I <laughs> thought I needed to learn as much about it. And I did need to learn as much, but learning comes from doing as well. Right. And so, uh, I love Francis Schaeffer has a, as a line about uh, Christian community being the final apologetic. And the reason why is because the Christian community is living out the way of Jesus together. This is a Christian community, and that's certainly what we saw. Zach referenced the explosion of the early church and how it kind of toppled the the uh, ancient Roman worldview. Well, the reason why is because people were seeing and observing mm-hmm. the apology for the Christian faith being this Christian community of people who were still working out their faith. The canon of the Bible had not even been finalized yet, uh, but they believed in Jesus and said, I'm going to follow the way of Jesus. And then the truth was revealed through that falling of the way so that, so that they could have abundant life. And, and we, when we always think that we have to do get our right thinking first, um, instead of just in faith, following in the way of Jesus, then we, we, um, we put restrictions on what God and Jesus may want to do through our lives. And, uh, and so I would just say that uh, I, I don't know exactly how to, how to land this plane. Well, when you think about the disciples, when you think about the disciples themselves, 
they they followed Jesus a long time, practicing his way before they had any kind of mental assent to him being the Messiah, right? Yes, the testimony of Scripture, and I don't know why we've gotten so far away from that. You know, I think it goes back, again, to centuries long of believing of that we process information and gather information and live out life in a certain way yeah. when I, I and again I don't discount the importance of intellectual uh, sure. integrity and and philosophy you know really reflecting and thinking through these things but yeah when you re- just take the 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 witness of the gospels for what they are and see how Jesus went about making disciples it was follow me right practice what I'm doing Alf- Follow the way, and then I'll reveal truth to you, and you will have abundant life through that. Yeah, um, I think that the, uh, I think that the focus, I think that the over focus on the cross that I that I kind of mentioned, that came out of an overcorrection from um, this sort of like very morally based works uh, type um, beliefs that that the church had for a long time. You know, in the in the earlier twentieth uh, century, and so. Um, and so we had, I felt like, uh, it feels like we had to separate ourselves from works and the cross. And so we just emptied ourselves of works and said, uh, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not a saved by works, but, but what you, <laughs> what you get when you l- lose all that is, uh, the cross again stands just to save you for future and not that there is this thing that is growing in the way of Christ that is, has nothing to do with your eternal salvation, but has everything to do with your, the fullness of life that you can experience. Yeah. I, I want us to get rid of the either or and, and, and embrace a both and mentality. Cause like God is so much bigger than our limited finite thinking. And, and to think that it's either or whenever we, we say it has to be these either or usually I'm like, okay, yeah, God's probably somewhere in the center, you know, centered series. Oh, wow. Um, Why'd you bring it back? Yeah, but I, I, I will say, when we talk about living out a Christian worldview or, or center being a Christian worldview, like I have a teenage daughter um, who's wrestling through these things uh, right now, um, you know, certainly pushing boundaries of, uh, of faith and questions and things that I went through at the time. And, and what I wish someone would have told me and what I do tell my daughter and what, what I would like to share with our next-gen people is that have, don't think that Christianity is, is a, an event to go to or a set of beliefs to assent to, although it's important to do that. But it's a way of life. It is a way of life. And don't think that you have to uh, have all the answers in place, or you have to have these positive affirmations in place before you can start living in the way of Jesus, and then put it to the test. You want to talk about claims and reasons and implications? Put it to the test. For example, in uh, you know our cultural narrative right now, sex big deal, right? Like it's everywhere. It's in media. People are getting a lot of different messages. What if you actually lived out the way of Jesus in this domain or area of your sexual life? What if you actually surrendered to that um, and lived that out? Uh, what if you went in the way of Jesus first? Mm-hmm. I promise you the truth of that will be revealed and that you then will have a, a much more abundant life uh, living under this uh, 
but 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 test it. Go yeah. on the journey. So like a dare to live out Jesus's vision for life, Jesus's vision for sexuality, Jesus's right. vision for simplicity. Yeah, those kind of things, and, and see, see if, if you life feel less there. fractured, feel right. less fragile. Feel. All I think that things. was even the last line of our "Who is Jesus?" film. You know, do we lean in and dare to follow Him mm-hmm. in the ways that He's He's taught us? And I think um, one thing before I move on to probably our last question. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> as you were saying that, like I was thinking that obviously the series for me has helped me, I think, love Jesus more. I mean, and so the, the intellectual side of it, the studying side is always something that's ongoing. I mean, it's always something that you're learning more, but me understanding another worldview helps me appreciate the one that I uh, I affirm um, Mm -hmm. even more. And so I think that there is a whole side of there that, that I I totally get the point you're making, but I, I think it's just, I've enjoyed being able to go through that because it helps me understand even more why um, instead of just sometimes just saying it. So, yeah. Um, you want to say something else? No, okay. that was good. Um, good so, job. Okay, cool. So I kind of want to uh, <laughs> close up with um, one question and it's um, something that could be fun. It could be not fun. I don't know. But um, what are some common objections that you hear from unbelieving friends and how do you respond you want me to go first? Go for it. <laughs> um, well, I'll say this: if you're if you're genuinely if you're saying friends, like real friends, people that are my f- uh, actual friends I hang out with, they don't really put much objection objections out there. I think it's because they would rather not broach the subject at all. Um, you know, faith and politics. You know, people people don't like doing that and they know I'm a Christian and I think it's partially uncomfortable for them (laughs) to a certain degree. Um, and I think it's one of those things I'm totally making an assumption and an interpretive leap here, but I I think it's one of those things where they're like, Oh, that's good for Austin. That, that works for him. I'm glad he has that in his life. Um, so I, I don't know that I get many objections from my friends, friends, um, from people that I know more generally, it's a lot of the, it's a lot of the pseudo like fake, uh, sorry, that's not, that's not fair to them. Um, it's things, it's like what I would call repetitive popular narrative stuff. Like these things that we've heard, uh, that we just mentioned earlier about the unreliability of the Bible. Like that's just bad historicity. Like it's not, I don't think it's, it's, it's not genuine, um, as far as there's proofs and explanations for that out there, if they would genuinely go on the, the journey to find it. I think a lot of them are around suffering and ex- existential realities. Sure. Um, I think that that all, all the classic ones, why would God allow this? Um, I, I think those kind of existential questions have, 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 I deal with them and wrestle with them. You know, they're, they're tough. They're hard. Um, I don't think there's any, good answer for them except in um what what we can always say in our faith is look look to jesus follow in the way of jesus and 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 you will find answers there maybe not ones that perfectly align everything in our minds but um there's at least a coherent answer within the christian faith in that and so i i I think that we hit on it a little bit earlier but i think in the end it's um relationships like you said it's it's knowing people knowing who they are, knowing where they're at in the journey of their life, drawing near to them, knowing the fullness of the gospel and being able to speak these uh, cultural moments, uh, being able to un- re- uh, 
make clear the gospel in them as you walk in life with them. Um, yeah, I think that that's just some of the, the stuff that I've heard people say, but I, I very rarely hear people in everyday life say these things that Braxton has to deal with on, yeah. on YouTube videos. Um, so it's, I, I think it's really the final, that a final apologetic, that love, like, I know that's a cheesy answer or a simplified answer, but showing people the sacrificial love of Jesus in tangible ways in their life every day, but then pointing them to the reality of Jesus as being the foundation for that hope. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of how I respond to those those people. I would wish there were, I did have more conversations <laughs> yeah. uh, on this deeper stuff. But it, do you, just, do you I, get yeah. those kinds of questions at Community One, like when you're working in neighborhoods? Do you get those get to have those kinds of conversations? Well, the interesting thing about that is a lot of marginalized uh, people that have been marginalized in our culture, um, think, think of generational poverty and such things like that, they're affirming Christians. Mm-hmm. Like in the neighborhood in TV Park, 71% of our neighbors are uh, self-professing Christians. And I think that's really important to remember. And when you think in that in the terms of the Old Testament and the God's kind of command to love the orphans, widows, and sojourners and integrate them back into the community— they were Israelites, mm-hmm. right? Like they were the, the marginalized in our community don't necessarily, uh, we shouldn't just qu- say they're people far from God. Like I think that's a gross mischaracterization. But our love for marginalized population, population, <laughs> populations <laughs> are, is what then give us the right to stand before a culture that won't step into that space and say, this is the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is, as we go towards our ultimate mission of reconciliation of all things, we will minister to the marginalized, and it gives us credibility, just like it did the ancient Christians in the early Roman Empire, as they were throwing babies on trash heaps, and as they were running out of towns, as people were dying from plagues, as Christians were ministering to these marginalized people. Mm-hmm. And it revolutionized the Roman, mm-hmm. ancient Roman worldview. And so we need to step back into that as kind of, uh, what Francis Schaeffer and Bonhoeffer said is the our final apologetic uh, uh, Christian community. Yeah, yeah. I uh, same thing with the conversations. Uh, I do hear you know the suffering, and sometimes the suffering even comes from inside of belief. People that do believe you still have to deal with that. And taking it back to the cross, I I feel like our Christology has so much to say about that. That so that actually can at least be somewhat satisfying in the sense that. In only in Christianity do we have a God that entered into mm-hmm. our world and suffered. He suffered injustice at the cross. Mm-hmm. That was injustice. And he suffered shame at the cross, mm-hmm. and he suffered pain at the cross. And, uh, and so he entered that with us. He knows what that is, what it feels like, what it means. And so uh, I think it was Keller maybe that said that while it doesn't give us a reason why we suffer, it gives us a reason. It, it lets us know at least why we don't. And it's not because God doesn't love us because he loved us enough mm. to enter into that with us. And so, um, so I think the cross while still not completely satisfying is, is, is the best answer to that suffering question. Um, but then uh, I, I would just affirm again, what Austin uh, was saying that at, at this cultural moment, to me, the best apologetic is to pra- practice the way of Jesus because it is countercultural. Live that out, and and then maybe once again we would be seen as living differently. And we've been so um, 
just unrecognizable any difference from culture for so long that that if we if we truly practice the way of Jesus, you know, I, I think it would be um, really mm. make drawing people in. So yeah, and I know we're probably out of time. You can cut this if you want, but uh, <laughs> I, I want to add to that. And, Coffee's and, kicking in. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a word. Um, we talk about having conversations with mm-hmm. people in, in this cultural moment. There's a word that I learned in our, uh, when I team taught uh, intro to Christian worldview is called internal coherence. And so understanding how other people's worldviews is actually internally coherent. Well, should help us not be so defensive, uh, when people push up against our beliefs and maybe live out a different way of life than what we do. And so when we talk about having conversations with people, when we can step fully into their worldview and explain it, the, the internal coherence of their worldview from their perspective, number one, like you said, it made me more confident right. in my own faith because I was like, oh, yeah, well, I can now choose with a with a full menu here which one <laughs> I think makes the most sense. But also, it, it instead of like how do these people not believe this stuff, you know, yeah. or like getting angry or defensive when they when they talk about points of their worldview that are different from ours. Now I understand it. Now I can empathize. Now I can fully uh, step into what what Braxton called the the strongman argument that some people are doing these philosophical debates. It's truly stepping fully into their worldview that then helps you uh, in conversation with other people and they'll feel valued. Right. Like that's really, really important. They will feel valued in the conversation because you've taken the time to not be defensive, to not be angry, not to point fingers, but instead to understand them mm-hmm. and and to uh, to value them as thinking individuals instead of people that, oh, I don't know why they would think this different way. We'll work out the internal coherence of other worldviews, uh, and that will help you have these conversation, faith conversations from, from a Christian worldview. I love that. It's great. And um, guys, it's been fun. We've had a lot of uh, great topics and hopefully some things for people to go back and, um, you know, even write some of these things down, find some of the books that uh, both Zach and Austin mentioned. Austin even wrote a blog on our Explorers blog um, talking about a list of books that he challenged people to read. He even said he'd buy them a steak dinner. Not just a steak dinner. I said I would take them to Cavanaugh's I don't even and know. buy a steak dinner. I've never been to Cavanaugh's. It's only 10 books. Oh, <laughs> 10 books? Ten or, books. Oh, I think you said 10 bucks. I'm like, that's a cheap steak. No, 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 no. It's a lot more bucks <laughs> than that. But I said anyone who uh, re- yeah, would read that, I was challenging people because yeah. the other side of that is like, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people say they disbelieve or they say there's these reasons for faith, but then they're not genuinely exploring actual, uh, well thought out, uh, Christian. They're, they're attacking a care, a Christian caricature and they maybe don't even want to, mm-hmm. um, seek out and spend time. And it does take time. It's an investment of time that unfortunately many Christians don't, uh, take the time to do. Um, but cer- certainly if, if Christians aren't taking the time to do it, why would people from, from another worldview? And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I extended that invitation not only out to skeptics and explorers, but even to Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, someone please read this list. <laughs> Has anyone ever taken you up on it? No. Oh, man. <laughs> well, still out there. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, Zach, thanks for helping me co-host. You did a great job. Yes, oh, you did. Uh, Terrific. <laughs> Terrific job. Austin? 
sixth time. Always fun having you yeah, on here. Thank you. And we had no problem starting this into a two-part episode. Yeah, so. I have a lot of hot air to blow. No, it was great. <laughs> I love this conversation. It's good information to have. Uh, guys, if you have any questions, anything we can pass along, you can email us here at the podcast, podcast at onelifechurch.org, and we'd love to connect with you that way, and love for you guys to share this content out. It'd be really great if you did that. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. We'd love to hear from you guys. You can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. You can leave a comment on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening to this podcast. We'd love for you guys to share that out, let more people hear this great content and have an opportunity to continue that conversation even further. Our music was produced by Michael Robertson and Ben Brock. My name's Sarah and I produced this episode. <laughs>